And for more, we joined on the line now by Narina Fisser, strategist at ETFSA. Good morning, Narina. Good morning, Sakina. Morning to all the listeners. Now, Narina, we're going to see if we can get through this morning's update without mentioning the G word. So, uh, moving. I've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so let's move straight along because you know, with all the focus yesterday on Europe and uh, that petulant teenager whom we shall not talk about today, um, you know, all the talk uh, uh, we we didn't talk about China amidst all of that. And what has been happening in the market over the last few days? Now, so China has certainly been a, a very hot area and a very busy area in the last couple of days and weeks. We do know that the Chinese stock market have had an incredible run over the last year, you know, up in the region of about 150%. And we've seen that market come off quite sharply over the last couple of weeks, down um, anywhere between 25 and 30%, depending on which market or index you look at. Um, and, and the interesting thing was that over the weekend, we saw quite um, specific moves by Chinese officials to prop up that market for a variety of reasons. Clearly, you know, stock market collapsed doesn't feel uh, or fit good with anybody, but in the Chinese case in particular, they are um, Chinese government is looking to um, uh, to uh, actually offload quite a lot of the state holdings onto the stock market, and they would obviously prefer to do that at much higher valuations. So some of the measures that they put in place was to to crack down on short sellers. They asked pension funds to put more money into the stock market. They suspended IPOs. I think there's about 28 IPOs that were scheduled for this week that has been been suspended. And and they dramatically eased borrowing requirements. And I think it's particularly this last move that that has many people concerned because um, speculators in that Chinese market are now even allowed to put up their houses as collateral to buy more shares. You know, and this is right up there with my hairdresser said, this is a bull market that really makes one concerned about, about a market. But I do think we need to see the Chinese um, pull back in stocks in the context of that rising market and also in the context of a long-term secular trend where we have a market, a stock market that still has significant catch-up to play with the size of its economy um, relative to the world. So I do believe that over the long term we've got a very strong tailwind behind the Chinese equity market. But having said that, there will be some short-term volatility so this is certainly not a market for for the weak or the fearful. Mm. And that impact, what impact has it had on commodity markets, um, Narina? So we've seen commodity markets come off quite sharply also over the last couple of days, and and it's, it's in part um, in response to concerns about economic growth, in particular in Europe and in China as well. Um, but also in response to the stronger U.S. dollar. So as commodity prices are, are mostly denominated in dollars, the stronger dollar have also pushed the prices of many commodities in dollar terms lower. Um, so virtually across the board, we've seen weaker commodity prices um, since the weekend, but by far the biggest drops we've seen in the oil market. And in the case of oil, I do think we've got more than just um, uh, demand concerns, so, so concerns about a slowing world economy, um, there's some very specific supply issues also in the oil market that has caused it to drop back quite deeply below the $60 a barrel um, level. So we have both um, Saudi Arabia and Iraq, two of the big OPEC members, producing a lot more than the, than the supposed quota, looking at probably in the region of about 900,000 barrels a day that they are overproducing. And at the same time, also, there is the prospect that Iran will be coming back to the oil market in the, in the 
sort of the intermediate future. There's a, a, um, a deadline today in terms of the nuclear talks that's been ongoing with Iran, and if they reach a deal on that, there's the expectation that Iran could bring as much as um, 700,000 barrels of oil back on stream over the next uh, six months or so. So really just, a, you know, the double, double whammy of increased supply but lower demand um, really led to oil price. Of course, we don't complain about that. Mm-hmm. Because after this, the, last week's um, petrol price rises, we're looking for any reason for that, for that petrol price to come down <laughs> next month. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm with you there, Narina. But, um, you know, speaking of commodities um, and looking at what's happening there in the uh, gold mining industry's wage negotiations, it seems as though, um, you know, the two sides at this point are miles apart. Uh, and, and, and I guess the question that arises is, are we headed for a repeat? of the platinum industry standoff last year? Well, I think all parties are, are really sort of um, very much aware of what happened in the platinum sector last year and, and would do probably just about anything to avoid a repeat of that. But where we currently stand, where the, where the unions are demanding um, an increase of more than 80% and um, the Chamber of Mines on behalf of the, of the um, employers are offering around 5 to 6%, you do see that they're very far apart. I think the concern here that we're looking specifically at a, at a commodity industry here that it has been in a sunset phase for many, many years. So the ability to increase salaries is, is a lot more limited within the gold um, industry. And it's not just that low gold price, the low commodity prices that we were talking about, but of course also rising costs, in particular your, your electricity costs. So, um, you know, the, uh, I think the, the offer on the table has tried to move beyond just um, salary or loan increases and also looked at profit sharing and, and other forms of it. But I think at this stage it looks as though the unions are, are, are taking quite a hard line and saying we're looking specifically for that increase in, in the salaries. I do hope that, uh, you know, that both parties will, will um, keep a cool head and actually reach a, a, a humane settlement, but one also that, that ensures the sustainability of the industry. Because although a lot smaller and a lot less significant than it was, 20 or 30 years ago, the gold industry still is an important component of the South African economy.